Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Chen had his arm twisted behind his back. Let her go, Chris shouted. Who's the idiot who let that kid through? Tate barked. Chris, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Now, Andy, don't be rude to our guest, Arius said. Please, come in, young man. Chris pulled against Chen's grasp. Calm down. Chen pressed his finger into a pressure point on Chris's shoulder. His side went limp. He said he picked the lock on the side gate, behind the trash cans, and he brought a weapon. Chen dropped Chris's lacrosse stick on the floor, then pulled the Belikov lock-picking set from his pocket and tossed it on a nearby table. Hmm. Resourceful. I suppose introductions are in order. I'm Arius Adams. I know who you are. Chris resisted Chen with his good side. And I know what you want from her, even if she doesn't. I won't let you do it. Arius looked at Chen. Let him go, Chen. He's harmless. Chris pulled away, then rubbed his reanimating arm. Kane, is it? Or do you prefer Master Mahan? Maybe the Aztec smoking mirror? Mighty Whore? Or Father Arius? Arius smiled and folded his arms. You've done your homework. Enough to know you've spread your evil too far for too many years. Are you a student of religion? I'm going to be a priest. Arius burst out laughing, nearly spilling his drink. Really? A priest? And delivered to our door like a warm pizza. Outstanding. I also know you wanted to sacrifice her until she spoiled your plans by marking her skin. Is that right? Arius nodded. What else do you think you know? I know you've been faking weakness. You may have fever, but you've been strong enough to do your own sacrifice all along. Chris, don't, Andy said. Andy, get that kid out of there, now. Now, why would I do that? Arius moved towards Chris. Because you wanted to make her a murderer. A minion. Chris said through gritted teeth. You just wanted her life at first, but then something changed, and you decided you wanted her soul, so you manipulated her into killing for you. Arius glanced at Chen, who returned a sideways smile. Smart boy, Arius said. Unfortunately, you're too late. The task is complete. The deal inked. Chris glanced at the knife on the table, 
then shot a knowing glance at Andy. Arius saw the glance and walked over to Chris. He sniffed him like a dog. Chris stood strong as Arius lifted his pant leg. A haphazard ace bandage soaked in blood circled Chris's calf. Arius pulled the bandage down and said, You really should have this looked at. It needs stitches. He swiped his finger across the oozing wound, then put his finger in his mouth. Arius held still for a moment, rolling the blood on his tongue. Then his head dropped, and he mumbled something in a foreign language. When Arius rose, he wore a strange smile and stepped closer to Andy. Softly, he wrapped his scalding fingers around her neck. She tensed, blood throbbing in her ears. Well now, my protege, you're even more like me than I imagined. His breath stank. Cut from the same cloth. I'm not like you, and never will be, she said through her teeth. Not in a million years, you sick liar. What are you doing, Andy? Don't break cover. Everyone lies, precious. He enunciated each syllable, then whispered in her ear, Manipulates, coerces, hides. No one tells the whole truth and nothing but, especially you. He whispered a strange phrase twice and tapped her neck. Scenes from her life appeared on the wall in front of her. Times she'd lied to her parents about being sick so she wouldn't have to go to school or when she told someone that her father had died on patrol in Afghanistan to keep him hidden. Every time she said her fake last name. He tapped again, and she was lying to the cop about Chris hitting her. Tap. She was in the office telling Chen she would perform the sacrifice. Tap. She was stuffing the 109th letter to Chris in her drawer and locking it shut. You're hiding right now, aren't you? She held her breath. He whispered into her ear, testing one, two, three. Okay, guys, we're burned. Let's go in. No! A shout echoed through the room from behind Andy, Everyone turned to find Chen red-faced. You stupid, stupid girl. Why couldn't you just do as you were told? Andy inhaled, surprised at the outburst. Chen held out his hands. You have no idea what you've done. Cut them off, Chen, Arius said. Chen hurried to the touchpad and keyed in a code. Whooshing erupted around them as the firewalls dropped, sealing the room. Andy's earpiece crackled, then went quiet. 
She coughed. No word from Tate. She coughed again. Nothing. So, Arius folded his arms. The deed is not done after all. Well, I'm not going to tolerate this much longer. Now Chen was the one pacing, wringing his hands. In the dim light, the smallest hint of a smile appeared on Arius's lips. Then he looked over his shoulder. Time to renegotiate. He closed his eyes and chanted in the strange language again. A white light appeared on the wall behind him, just at the spot where the shadow puppets hung. It grew and deepened into a tunnel, streaming with iridescent tendrils. The light swirled and twisted toward the group. Soft music followed the strands out into the room and, seemingly, into their souls. Chris and Andy stood mesmerized by the glowing kaleidoscope. A shadow appeared deep in the tunnel. As it walked forward, the features of a man took shape. He was blonde, six foot two, with blue-blue eyes, a strong jaw and shoulders to match. He was dressed in a white suit and silvery tie, Strands of light curved behind him like wings. He stopped at the mouth of the tunnel and said, Christoph Wasin. Chris just stood there, mouth open. Who is that? Andy asked. My father, Chris whispered. I have missed you, Labushka, Mr. Belikov said. How is he here? Andy asked Arius. His throat was cut during a deal gone wrong years ago, Arius said. It happened when Chris was still very young. Haven't you always wondered why he never came looking for you, Christoph? Yes. Chris said. Come, let me look at you. Mr. Belikov held out his arms. Chris stepped to the edge of the tunnel, just out of reach of his father. You have grown into strong young man. Good man. Come, give your papa kiss. Chris hesitated. I want to know where you've been. Mama said that... Christoph, what your mother told you about me was not truth. My business partner borrowed money from bad people. When he could not repay, they made us do terrible things. Things I never wanted to do. I tried to get away from him and them. But... I knew too much. I could not tell your mama. My partner told me he would kill her if I did. And you. So I told her I never loved her and wanted her to leave. To keep you both safe. 
and it worked. Just look at you. You look good and strong, my boy. Happy. So, why are you here? Chris asked. And how do you know him? Chris nodded at Arius, whose face glowed in the bright light, which no longer bothered his fever-sensitive eyes. I am here to help you and your friend Andy. Help how? Andy said. Look. Mr. Belikov turned. From behind him came a small shadow, running and swinging something, as the shadow formed into a figure, Andy sank to her knees and whispered, Emma. She was exquisite. Her hair bounced in soft ringlets around her face, and she wore a dress made of moving roses of light. The sound of her giggling washed the room like a bath of summer sunshine. She stopped at the edge of the tunnel and held Mr. Belikov's hand. What is she doing here? How is she here? Andy asked Arius. He gestured to Chris's dad. He'll tell you. We are here from next dimension. Paradise, or heaven, as some call it. With proposal. A life-giving contract. His Russian accent was thick. A contract? Andy fought back the emotion gathering in her chest at the sight of her little sister's dimples and hazel eyes. An offer to help everyone. Mr. Belikov swung Emma's hand and smiled at her. Emma held up a stuffed pig so Andy would take it. Andy wanted to reach for her but didn't move. How, she said. One of you comes with me, crosses over now, and Skagen McBride family is given another baby. Miracle child. And this time, they get to raise their little girl that looks and talks and laughs just like little Emma. To be grown woman, to have children of her own, grandchildren. As he talked, scenes from the proposed future came alive on the walls around them. The new Emma aged and grew in the scenes, looking like Liz, but less tired and beaten down. Andy rubbed her eyes. I don't. But that's not all, Mr. Belikov said. As the new child enters your family... Everyone will prosper. Your papa will build thriving woodworking business. The scene changed. Shane at a table saw. Jenna will become world-famous artist. A gallery opened around the group. Jenna stood in the center in a red dress, sipping champagne among the art elite. Your brother... Beloved teacher. Spooky wrote on a chalkboard in front of a group of hard-edged, at-risk kids. 
and Stephanie, mother of five and respected homicide detective. Images of Steph as an adult shocked Andy. She was lovely, lithe, with refined features and wavy hair. She rifled through her purse, then pulled out pink enamel handcuffs and a rattle. And Mama. He held out his hand. Liz, gray-haired and smiling, rocked a grandbaby on the porch of a large white house. We'll finally find peace, forgive herself, and have joy again. Tears rolled down Andy's cheeks. And you? You, my dear, will become what you desire. A headline flashed across the wall. Andy McBride named Supreme Court Justice in a unanimous vote. An image of an older Andy fastening a black robe at her neck glowed on the metal wall. Arius rubbed the edge of his silk robe with his thumb and watched Andy carefully. What do you mean by crossover? she asked, wiping the tears from her face. Do you mean die? Death, Arius shook his head, is a narrow concept concocted by mortals who have no understanding of the true nature of matter or consciousness. Look at Emma. You saw her body when it was just a lifeless shell. In her spirit form, she's full of life. I don't understand. Andy, this temporary skin, this life, in this time and space, is nothing more than a chrysalis of pain like labor before a birth. The next life exists in a dimension of beauty and peace. Once the clay vessel that is your body is done, your essence crosses over and lives in beauty through an eternity without time with those you love. Andy! Emma held out her chubby arms. Hold me. Andy looked at her bright eyes, but stayed still. What's the out clause? Mr. Belikov looked at Arius, then back at Andy. Out clause? If we don't like the terms on the other side. Death has no out clause, Andy. It's absolute, Arius said. You know that. Andy, hold Wilbur. Emma stretched her arms higher. I'll go, Chris said. I'll go with my father if Andy can have Emma back. What? No. Andy jumped up and grabbed Chris's arm. You can't. Arius smiled. The perfect altar boy, always thinking of others. Andy, it's okay. He's right about the other side, and I'm not afraid. 
It's not okay. I need you here. She turned and glared at Arius. This is a bad deal. Besides, I'm not sure I believe you. Even your Bible calls you a cheat. I thought you didn't believe in the Bible, Arius said, moving closer. It doesn't matter what I believe, remember? Slowly, she stepped back, pulling Chris gently with her. We won't take the offer. Andy, hold Wilbur. Tears welled in Emma's eyes as she begged for Andy, pronouncing the name of her toy perfectly for the second time. I know you have no power to create or restore life, Arius. Only take and manipulate. You can't bring Emma back. Besides, that thing, whatever it is, isn't my Emma. And I would bet that he's not Chris's dad. She is confused, Christoph. The alleged Mr. Belikoff clamped down on Chris's wrist. We can be together again, like it used to be, but without fear. Chris looked into Andy's determined eyes. Then he yanked his wrist from the apparition's grasp. One of you must go, Andy. Arius calmly wiped his brow with a nearby towel. Complete the task. You're under contract. You must pay. I never signed a contract that said that. A verbal contract is just as binding, remember? Point one, he said, and looked at the birdcage. Jesse. I promise I'll help you however I can. Andy's voice came from the white bird. Point two. Arius opened his mouth, and this time her voice came from his mouth, repeating her words perfectly. I'll do it. I'll perform the sacrifice. Andy gripped Chris's arm tighter. Arius grinned. Time to pay up. No. You misrepresented yourself. I'm not responsible. He held out his arm and chuckled. I revealed exactly who I was. The fault does not lie with me if you are too stupid to believe me. Wrong. The entire foundation for any verbal agreement I made is false. You never wanted out of the curse. It was all a fraud. In fact, I think you're actually addicted to your curse. You love it. The power and control it gives you over other people. Even the pathetic pain and how you use it to manipulate and coerce. You crave it, don't you? He smiled and folded his arms. Perhaps. And haven't you followed along perfectly, bending at my every whim? Actually, everyone here in New Mexico has been most cooperative. He chuckled once. 
Sometimes it's not even fun anymore, it's so easy. All it took was one whisper on Mike Rodriguez's ear on a Thursday morning to drop you right in my lap. And so eager to please. My dad's boss? That was you? And your friend Chris is right. The sacrifice wasn't the real bounty in this deal. And even if you didn't take a life, through all your hiding and lying, you've already handed over your soul. You belong to me now. Let's end this negotiation. Let the boy go to his father. I'm running out of energy and patience, my protégé. He said the label like it was delicious in his mouth. Chen stood, wringing his hands. I won't give in to your bogus fraud of a contract. Not even the first term. You'll just have to burn in your fever forever. Andy narrowed her eyes and said, You lose. Arius stood glaring for several tense seconds, jaw clenched. Then he bent over, pounded his fist on the coffee table, and shouted, Enough! Stop wasting my time! You will never beat me! You're insignificant! Chef! A puppet in my hands! I am Cain of ancient days, the prince of perdition, the author of cunning. He shouted something in his strange black magic language and lifted his hands. As his arms rose, so did the chairs, tables, lamps, and bed. He spun his hand, and the furniture began whirling in the air. Chris and Andy dropped to the floor to keep from being pulled into the whirlwind. The faster it spun, the harder it was to breathe. I am the master of millions and possess the power to unleash the elemental forces in this realm. You have no power here. This is my realm and my birthright. You can only kneel to my glory. The incinerator door flew open, and out of the red bin grew a huge hand of flame. A burning finger reached up and ignited the hurricane overhead. Seconds later, the tunnel of light behind Arius darkened and twisted into a mass of decaying bodies, all writhing and screaming. The noise was deafening and the heat unbearable. Andy and Chris covered their ears as bits of flame and ash rained down. Chen stood nearby holding on to a desk, but seemingly unfazed by the incredible display, like he'd seen it all before. Then, without warning, the flaming hand grabbed Chris and yanked him into the red bin. <laughs> 